All right. Can you hear me? Good? All right. Make sure. All right. We're good to go. Now, just one mic check, handy check. Make sure Spencer's not here, check. Okay. <clears throat> well, I mean, you can't blame me. He, he's not here. He's given me the reins to the pulpit. We're going to have some fun tonight. I wrote this lesson. Oh, I wrote this lesson about a month ago, and it's actually gotten a new meaning to me over time. Um, something happened to me a bit more recently that has made the idea of a diamond just that much more precious to me. I proposed. I, I was able to propose and give a ring to Shayla, and it has been a joy to my life since. But I thought I would just kind of show a picture that way my family can see her and get to, you know, see who I give my life to. But Tonight we're going to be talking about the value of a diamond. Oh, whoops. <coughs> that, that's going to come in a second. I'm still getting used to this clicker thing. You see, to, to kind of help focus the idea of a diamond, I want to tell you of a story. Back when I was younger, my mom would take me to Great Cliffs and to Sports Cliffs to get my hair cut. And one of the interesting things about those barber shops is they would have magazines on a table in front of me. They would have Time Magazine, National Geographic. They'd have all these different kinds to read. And I would flip through the Time Magazines and read uh, what I could find. And then one of them, it was talking about diamond exports, about how Africa is one of the leading exporters of diamonds. So much so that a reporter went there to check out, you know, what the whole hubba was. And as he was approaching the village, he saw two kids tossing around a rock. And it was just, well, it was more of a ball, you know, from far away. And they were having a good time. But as she got closer, she noticed that the ball wasn't quite moving the right way. You know, when you see a ball move, it glides through the air, it meets the pitcher's mitt, and everything just goes great. But this was a little off. And as she got closer, she realized that these kids... We're tossing around the diamond. Now, I couldn't find the original picture of it, so I decided to make this really interesting, uh, well, interesting photo for y'all. But these kids were tossing around a diamond about the size of a softball, and they had no idea what they were playing with. And you wouldn't believe the way their eyes lit up when they were explained what they were holding on to. I mean, this was one of the rarer diamonds for Africa as well. This thing would have been worth more than anything I own, anything my parents own, and pretty much anything I think I will ever own. It was a very valuable thing, but they didn't understand the value of it. Tonight, I, I want to challenge you to say that we have a diamond of our own, and if we're not careful, we cannot value it or cherish it the way that we should. So if you will, let's read verse 3. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter starts out this passage by directing us with this word, blessed. He wants to make sure that the first thing on your mind and the forefront of your mind is blessing and praising God for what he has been given. And this is not something that we deserve or should, you know, expect. He goes on to follow it up with saying, according to his great mercy. It's something that I think we often will forget about. The fact that this isn't something that is guaranteed to us, but it's something that's given out of the grace and mercy of God. This great hope and salvation that we have is something that is given as a gift. One of the most quoted verses we have in the Bible, John 3, 16, starts out by saying, For God so loved the world. It wasn't so God had to or so God needed to. It was so God loved. He did because he loved us. He did it because he cared for us. But let's talk about the hope he's given us. And the interesting... And the interesting part is the word that comes right before hope. He talks about us being caused to be born again to a living hope. Now, when you think of living, I don't know about you, but my first thought is I think of a plant or a child. I think of something active. I think of something vibrant. I think of something present and alive. And Peter uses this word for a reason. He's trying to let us understand that the hope that we have is just that. It is alive, it is present, and it is active in our life. And what a blessing that is. Sorry. This is the same beautiful hope that is given to all who receive it. I often think when we think of a diamond, we think of a ring. This would be similar to when a man gets down on one knee, pouring his love and desires into a diamond ring he presents. God is pouring out his mercy and love into this hope for all who seek him the same way. And similar again to one who's being proposed to, the receiver only needs to say yes. This undeserved but so beautiful gift is what Peter is so quick to shout praises for. This is the diamond of hope that we have that is truly beyond all value. So that's the first lesson I want to leave, or the first point I want to discuss tonight. The fact that the God's diamond for us, this great living hope, is a great blessing to receive. If you will, let's read verses 4 and 5. To an inheritance as imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept for you in heaven, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I love the word that starts out with inheritance, because this is not something that was haphazardly thrown together. The word shows that there was more to it than just being received, but there was also something that went into this. And we see that that's how it is with our hope. This wasn't something that was thrown together in the moment. God doesn't step aside and say, well, in the moment, here you go. This is, here's your hope. No, from the very beginning, we see steps 
And we see actions taken to place everything into motion for the hope we would later receive and the salvation that we can have assurance of. Whether it is Abraham being told that through you, all the nations will be blessed, or through Isaiah's prophecy of the Messiah, our salvation was made step by step, like a diamond being cut to size and polished for when it will be given with love. We cherish diamonds because of that quality, don't we? The fact that once we cut it down to shape, once we have polished it and really made it shine and set inside the ring, it's not going to change. It will look the same as the day you got it. It will stay the same shape and it will shine with the same brilliance as the first day it was received. But did you know that the diamond God has prepared for you is the same? It is, in the same way, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Is that not reassuring? But he goes one step further. I gotta tell you, this was really interesting for me because uh, when I got my ring for Shayla, I got it about a week, week and a half before I gave it to her. And I did what any sensible person would do. I went into my house, into my bedroom, and I put it in the safest spot known to man. All men will agree with me on this. It's 100% fact. You can't reject me on this. The safest spot is your sock drawer. Always. Underneath socks, something about that is impenetrable. So, of course, I set it with inside the sock drawer. I close the drawer, and then I step out to go do some work in my office. And when I sit inside... It's almost like it burned a hole in my pocket. I started to worry. I started to get anxious. I started to worry that I, that I might lose that ring. It, it might get taken. So every day, every single day, I'm not kidding with you on this, every day, I would go in, pull it out of the sock drawer, the safest place known to man, and I would bring it with me into my office and set it on my desk in front of me. That way, while I worked, I could look at it, I could see it there. Even if I was FaceTiming her, it would be right there in front of me, knowing it was there. I was worried because I didn't want it taken from me. I didn't want that moment when you give it and you see the smile on Shayla's face and you see the joy that she would get from receiving it and the love that I would have had giving it to her. I didn't want that taken from me. So I was anxious. But did you know God is as anxious as I am? There we go. He has not just prepared your diamond and is keeping what he promised you. No, he is guarding it. Guarding it with his power. I don't know about you, but I think God could guard something far better than I could. I lose my keys on a daily basis. I'm thankful I'm not guarding my salvation. I mean, I, I walk out and I always do the one-two pat. I, I don't know if y'all do that as well, the, the pat on each knee to see if your keys and your phone are still there. And every day when I pat my leg, there's always something missing. So I'm glad I'm not guarding my salvation. But here it is saying that God is guarding it for you with his power through faith. This isn't something that's going to go somewhere. 
The youth right now are studying the parable of the lost sheep. And in it, we see the joy there is in heaven when a single lost soul is brought to him. I think it would be fair to say that God is guarding hope of a life with him, guarding this promise of a life with him, and is excited to give it to you. Is anxious and waiting to give it to you. So with this, we should know that God's diamond should give us assurance. Assurance that there is a promise and that there is a hope waiting for us. And not just waiting for us on the side, but is guarded and precious and therefore. So that is our second point tonight. God's diamond is not just a great blessing to receive, but it is prepared and guarded for you at any time. Whether it is you receiving your reward or you accepting the ring, you saying yes, taking on that life, and knowing of the hope that you will now receive. If you will, let's read verses 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This hope doesn't just give us assurance of the promise to come. It also gives us the strength to endure our trials as well as the purpose. He starts with saying, in this you rejoice. At first, when I read this, I was wondering what the this is of this passage. I realized that when you look into Greek, this can also be translated as whom. In whom you rejoice. Who do you rejoice in? God, the one who has prepared this gift. The one who has gone through these steps to refine this diamond for you and with love is preparing it and guarding it for you. In this you rejoice so that you can have strength for the trials that you will face in this life, and you will face trials. Going back to the idea of a marriage, this is why I think of later on down the line, after you've accepted the ring, and you've made that promise to love, there will be fights. There'll be times when the spouse will go at it, and it will be heavy-hearted. There will be trials, and there will be word, plenty of words said. I'm going to take this from the woman's side, I guess, because in my mother I've seen this, but it's, there are times when you are going to be there after a fight, and you're going to be laying on the bed crying, and you're going to wonder where you're going to find your strength. And you look at that ring. You look at the diamond in it. You remember what it means, the promise the promise to love one another, the promise to be committed and to work through these things. And when you commit yourself and you find that strength, you step forward. It's interesting because usually when people work through these problems, they grow closer and they find deeper strength in this. And I've been reading a book recently by Timothy Keller called The True Meaning of Marriage. I read this when I was first writing this lesson, and Timothy Keller works for a ministry 
that is about a thousand people, mostly young couples and new married people. And he would do studies over what, how they were feeling and how they were in certain points of their life. And he would realize that early on in the marriage, he would hear comments like, you are so lucky to be single, or don't get married, you know, take your time. And he would hear these negative responses from couples. And it would seem like the single or the cohabitated couples would be happy. But he would find that after five years, if the couples stayed together for five years, they would not just be happier, but they would also be more satisfied than the single or cohabitated peers. The explanation is clear. The explanation we'll also see within this passage. It's the fact that when the married couple was committed, they would confront each other's flaws and grow closer from them. This would initially cause disruption and fights, but over time each partner would change in a positive way for the marriage. They would refine each other and they would grow closer Peter stresses this, excuse me as I get the slides on point, stresses this in the later portion, in verse 7, saying, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. Right here, we see the answer to our analogy and also the purpose to our trials. He's saying that the purpose to our trials and to our grief and life will be used to test the genuineness of our faith. Now, the part about the precious uh, gold and perishing in fire, I was a little stumped at this at first. I had to do a little digging and a little studying myself. And Peter is comparing it to the old style of refining gold. They would take gold as raw as it was, as an ore, and they would throw it into a fire. And it would sit there and burn. And as the ore burned, it would refine itself. The impurities within it would start to burn away, and at the end, you would be left with nothing but the raw ore in its purest form. Peter is saying that these trials will refine you. These trials will be used to help you grow. And if you are able to find the strength, not just knowing of the promise there is for tomorrow and for a great hope that you have of your salvation later, but if you realize that there is strength to be found and hope for today, that these events will be used to refine and grow you closer spiritually. So daily, we are given the opportunities to be strengthened by our hope. And each time we look back in the scripture, we see our diamond. We can be reminded of the blessing that is to be given to us, which is as easy as accepting it. The assurance of knowing that this gift has been promised from the beginning And it will always be there for you, shining as the first day it was made, as if it was brand new. Last of all, at this diamond, God's living hope. 
when reminded of it, will give you strength daily to meet the trials of life and refine your soul. I started this lesson wanting to allow you to see the value and the salvation we have in God and to cherish it. Now my question to you is, is, there some, is this something you will cherish and pass down with love to your family and to your friends? Or will you leave it to be undervalued for what it is? Possibly used like a ball. If there is any need you have today, or if you want to accept this wonderful gift of Christ, to be able to share in the salvation that we have and the hope and the assurance and strength that we as Christians are given through God. Or if for any need you have any needs or prayers for tonight, I pray that you'll come forward now as we stand and sing. Bring my heart, dear.